This week's TribCast is sponsored by Watch the Meadows Mental Health Policy Institute's new episode of the Kasich and Keller Conversation Series, Improving Patient Outcomes with Collaborative Care. Find out more at mmhpi.org. And Texas State Technical College has Texas covered. With 10 campuses across the state, students can learn the skills necessary to start a great new career. Learn more at tstc.edu. Hello and welcome to the Texas Tribune Tribcast for April 21st, 2023. My name is Matthew Watkins, Managing Editor of News and Politics for the Tribune. This week, it was a week of ramping up tension between Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick and House Speaker Dave Phelan, as Dan Patrick continues to express frustration with the pace of the at which the House is working and, you know, disagreement over policies around property taxes, leading to um, our fun new nickname, California Dade, um, that uh, that Dan Patrick invoked in an interview with uh, Spectrum News. Um, but one interesting thing about this year's conflicts is that it is so far focused mainly on what we sometimes call, for a lack of a better term, bread and butter issues like property taxes and school finance rather than the kind of hot-button social issues that often prompt the conflagrations between the two channels. But that doesn't mean that those social social issues aren't playing a major role and won't play a major role in the kind of development of the session moving forward. There's a bevy of legislation touching on all kinds of LGBTQ issues that have already passed the Senate so far this year. They're now pending in the House, leaving a lot of us to kind of question what the next step is and when whether they will become law. We're going to talk about those issues this week. And joining us are two folks who I've just given their own uh, geographic-based nicknames. We've got uh, Pacific Northwest Nguyen, Alex Nguyen, our reporter covering this issue. Hey, Alex. Hi, thanks for having me. Hi, and Plano Brandon. Um, that's uh, our news editor, Brandon Formby. Hey, Brandon. Hello, thank you for having me. I was, I was waiting for you to come back with a Westlake Watkins, but uh, I appreciate your story. All right. So like I said, we are talking about LGBT bills this, this session. And Alex, I want to start with you. You are closely following these and will be for the upcoming weeks. And I want to just start by kind of walking through some of the big ones, what they do and where they stand. So let's start here with SB 14. Um, this would uh, block the use of puberty blockers and hormone treatments for kids in Texas. Tell us a little bit about this bill, how it's kind of evolved and, and where it stands right now in, in the chamber. Yeah, for sure. So I think this is um, a legislative priority for the Texas Republican Party going into this session, uh, obviously a priority for Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, and it has um, moved the furthest amongst the um, Senate bills that he considers to be, you know, priority bills focusing around social conservative issues. So right now it is in the House, um, Senate Bill 14, and its House Companion Bill have both been voted out of committee um, mid-April, and we'll see when they will get to the floor. Um, it 
is not a priority in the house. So we're kind of watching to see how it would play out. Um, and I think the interesting thing is, you know, when they went up for a flow vote in the Senate, it initially received an amendment from the bill's author, Senator Dan Donna Campbell, that would allow um, trans kids who are already receiving puberty blockers or hormone therapies to be uh, continuing to receive them. Um, but then obviously they got pushed back and she removed that amendment uh, abruptly on the third reading, very dramatic um, scale back. And so it got voted out of the Senate um, basically as the original version that it was written uh, that would ban trans kids from receiving uh, transition-related care like hormone therapies and puberty blockers um, that, you know, leading medical associations have supported and, you know, trans kids say this is affirming their identity and save them from the psychological distress of, you know, facing puberty as um, the opposite gender. Um, so, so Senate Bill 14 is now in the House. Mm -hmm. uh, in mid-April, it got a House committee vote where House Public Health Committee voted out both Senate Bill 14 and its companion bill, House Bill 1686. Um, and the interesting thing here is that it also received another amendment that now allows, um, instead of an abrupt cutoff um, for kids who are already receiving these treatments, um, the language is now that these kids will be tapered off in a medically safe and appropriate way. Um, although we don't know exactly know exactly what that entails in terms of who's going to be deciding what's medically safe, how long that would take, would be different by individuals. Um, and from conversation that I've had with, you know, trans youth and their parents, they say this isn't really, uh, it's, better than an abrupt cutoff, but at the end of the day, the goal of the bill is still to, you know, ban trans kids from a treatment that they consent to um, and they want to stay on. Um, and so now we'll kind of wait and see how it will, when it will get to the House floor for a vote and whether, you know, the new amendment in these two bills would create some sort of conflict between the Senate versus the House to reconcile that language. Um, and I think that is still in play. I don't think it has gone to calendars committee as of today yet. Okay. So something in the next few weeks to watch. Very good. Okay, so we can, I, I want to talk more about this bill, but let's go through some of these other bills first and, 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 and we can come back to this. Another area that has gotten a lot of attention is drag shows, um, placing new rules and restrictions on them, uh, a particular focus around uh, children's uh, access to, to drag shows. Uh, the big bill that we saw in the Senate on that was SB 12. Tell us what that bill does and, and, and where it stands. Yeah, SB 12 is now also in the House. Um, it I believe it is now in the House State Affairs Committee. I don't think um, it is still sitting in there as of today. Um, but the bill would basically, you know, criminalize um, shows that are considered prurient to mm -hmm. the um, I can never say that word. How do you say that <laughs> word? Same. I, I cannot tell you. 
basically sexually explicit drag shows um it would also find business owners hosting these shows uh i guess in front of kids like ten thousand dollars um it would criminalize performers um you know doing so in front of kids with a class a misdemeanor which would be uh which could result in jail time um and so i think the language in terms of uh prudent sexual explicit Mm -hmm. and it has um more i guess definitions in this bill compared to other bills that we have seen in this session that tried to restrict drag shows because other bills have such broad definitions that for example a trans individual seeing in a bar with their friends could be considered a drag performer um and be restricted that way but you know like even with this definition in the bill, like drag performers have told me that it could be open to so many di- so many different interpretations that they could be targeted um, and therefore like criminalized. Um, so that's the big drag ban, drag restriction bill. Um, I should also note that there's another drag bill, um, Senate Bill 1601, that would initially only bar state funding for libraries hosting drag story time um, where drag performers read to kids to promote like literacy in public libraries. Um, Initially, it will only bar state funding, but these public libraries receive very little money from the state each year. Um, And then when it got to a floor vote on the Senate, it was amended to ban all public funding, which for the fiscal year that after the event happened. So essentially amounting to defunding public libraries for hosting drag story time in the fiscal year following. Um, and I believe both bills are now in the House State Affairs Committee. Yeah, I think the it was kind of a, a weird day on the Senate floor when both those bills came up. Um, when, when the session started, it was, um, you know, drag shows, all drag shows, like the bills that were moving, all drag shows were... Uh, just automatically going to be redefined as sexually explicit. It didn't matter what behavior was happening. Um, But then they scaled that back and actually, you know, gave a definition of like what sexually explicit is. Um, But then at the same time, expanded the library bill, um, kind of doing the same thing where it was just like anytime a drag queen's reading to kids, like the, the innuendo is like that's sexual and the kids have to be protected. Yeah, well, I mean, Brandon, this is you're you're touching on a, a point that I wanted to get into. So let's let's go ahead and get into it. I mean, you saw this with, like you said, the drag bill, where there are all different kinds of definitions and challenges. There was, of course, a controversy that popped up early in the session about a a lawmaker who, you know, was uh, made a video when he was a, a kid dressed in 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 drag, um, and that was kind of dismissed as, uh, you know. Uh, a, a, a non-harmful, like silly game. You know, there were, I think, all different kinds of questions going around about, you know, what about the movie Mrs. Doubtfire? What about, uh, you know, Midsummer Night's Dream? What about, like, there are all different kind of situations that, um, you know, may not be treated so with such alarm by folks who are um, on the... Um, you know, the the political right in this realm that you kind of 
once you got into the the details of um, actually le legislating, it, it got fairly complicated. I mean, we've seen similar instances, right, on SB 14, the, the bill related to puberty blockers and hormone treatments about, you know, who is eligible, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, there was at least at a point in time where the bill was written in a way that like, if you were already receiving these, that those treatments can continue, you know, leading to questions of like, why is it okay for those kids, but not for kids who might be starting in the next year or so? I mean, it seems like a lot of this, this has been a very messy process, you know, and a lot of contradictions at times coming up as, as these kinds of things are being debated and talked through. Oh yeah, for sure. And it's, um, there, the confusing part is kind of like, it's hard to read the tea leaves because on different bills, they're going in kind of different directions. Yeah. Um, you know, by like kind of, uh, watering down the, the drag show bill, um, but then escalating the, the library bill. Um, right. and then the like, um, kind of whiplash on SB 14 with, uh, gender affirming care for kids um yeah it just makes it like really difficult to to figure out um what what is going to happen next yeah okay, especially because so you have this you know this element of through many speakers um you know dan patrick not satisfied with the conservatism um of the speaker in the house yes. um so you know it's hard to tell if that's going to continue on these bills um but at the same time like with uh, you know, SB 14's companion bill, a majority of House members uh, want to pass that bill. Yep, yep, exactly. And another bill that we've seen an indication that a majority of House members want to pass is a bill related regulating college sports and who can participate on which college sports teams. Uh, Alex, tell us about that bill. Yeah, so in the last session, um, you know, there were like multiple efforts or attempts to pass the ban on trans um, student athlete at the K-12 level. And obviously, you know, uh, the Republican lawmakers were able to do so on the third se special session of the 2021. Um, so that was a huge, a huge fight. And then, you know, in this session, they are now trying to prioritize expanding that restriction up to the college level and um that is a priority for uh Dan Patrick it's a legislative priority for the party um in the house i believe it has also received majority of support from republican lawmakers um so the senate bill has been now in the house so we'll we'll see where it's moving um but it's a continuations of the gains that they have made in the last session um and it is also, you know, something that's happening in other states as well that we're watching. And there's a fight at the moment in the uh, at the federal level as well on the same issue. There's one other topic. I'm going to go to you on this one, Brandon, um, that is even more complicated and legislatively, at least, than um, some of these other ones, which is the idea of a, a measure kind of trying to restrict conversation around, you know, sexual ideas in school, right? Um, what opponents of in Florida called the don't say gay bill. And in that situation, we have 
legislation tied to a school choice bill, which we've talked about a lot on this show, which is controversial in its own right in the Texas House as well. Tell us a little bit about the dynamic that's playing out on that particular measure. Yeah, so I mean, the measure itself is um, pretty clear cut in the sense that it would ban, you know, classroom lessons, teacher guidance, school activities um, about uh, sexual orientation or gender identity. Um, But it doesn't say which sexual orientations or which gender identities. Um, So, I mean, one way you could read that bill is that like you dare you can't mention that Abraham Lincoln was with his wife when he was assassinated, because then you have to acknowledge that he had a wife and therefore was heterosexual. Um, When that came up on the floor, a Democratic senator, you know, tried to amend it to add language, making clear that like this applies to all gender identities, all sexual orientations, which Republicans rebuffed. Um, But it is tucked in this broader bill that would, you know, kind of remake how, uh, you know, schools work and and would create savings accounts to subsidize private school tuition with with public dollars. Um, One way to look at that is, you know, if SB8 gets to the House floor, you have a lot of House Republicans who do not like education savings accounts. Um, But if, if that bill gets to the House floor, um, you put House Republicans in the position of um, all like voting against, um, you know, blocking these, um, you know, what a lot of conservatives will call like woke ideologies um, in classrooms um, while also voting against education savings accounts, um, which like come primary time could very easily give a challenger um, some campaign ad ammo. Um, saying that, you know, a particular Republican voted against um, this language. So it'll be interesting to see if that bill even comes to the House floor. Um, I mean, one thing worth noting, though, is that provision is also in other legislation that hasn't come to the Senate floor. Um, but they they are not putting all their eggs in the SBA basket. Um, you could likely have a standalone bill on the like, quote unquote, don't say gay provision uh, coming out of the Senate soon. Right. All right, let's pause for a minute and hear from our sponsors. Texas Biomed pioneers and shares scientific breakthroughs that protect our communities. Health starts with science. Health starts at Texas Biomed. Visit txbiomed.org for more. And UT Arlington's commitment to excellence keeps Texas strong with highly skilled graduates for the Texas workforce and life-changing research. Find out more at uta.edu. Okay, I want to get into the politics of this. Let's just do, I'm going to give a quick recap of what we said here, right? SB 14, banning puberty blockers and hormone treatments for kids, has passed the Senate and has passed a House committee. All the other bills that we talked about here, um, the school choice slash don't say gay bill, the uh, SB 12 related to drag shows, SB 15 related to college sports, all of these have passed, you know, essentially sailed through the Senate with um, Republican support, um, sailed quickly through the Senate, and now are sitting over there in the House, um, not moving yet. Um, That, you know, is not a 
um, I think, cause for alarm at this point yet. There's really not much from the Senate that is moving at this point. Um, and it's just we're in this interesting situation, right, where it's all all eyes are on the House, as essentially, Alex, you um, and your colleague Will wrote in a story about a week ago, waiting to see what is going to happen here. The background here on this is that the House has traditionally been where these bills actually live or die. There has long been a, a, an appetite for these measures to pass the Senate. It's nothing new. I think you could maybe make the argument, and Brandon, you might want to make this argument, that you know it's a uh, particularly large amount and you know gar- going farther than they have in the past amount of legislation but the point is is that like this is where things usually happen it's in the house where these things are decided so alex with that being said what are we hearing from the house so far yeah so i mean from the speaker priority list like he doesn't really prioritize the social conservative issues the same way that we have seen from the Senate. Um, so that's one, I guess that was one signal very early on in the in the session that we saw. Um, but at the same time, you know, like he cannot block every single bill going through the House from the Senate. He has to pick and choose. And um, nor are we and, sure that he wants to. Right. Like right. That's, it's. it's just because it's not a priority doesn't necessarily mean he doesn't support it. Mm -hmm. That's very, very very fair point. Um, But yeah, you know, like back in 2019, um, he publicly stated that he is, you know, done with bashing the gay community. Um, What's up with that now? Um, So (laughs) I think like, I think like every time these conversations come up, we look back at 2019, we're like, has that changed? Well, he did not comment for our story, so we do not know. Yeah. Um, but I guess, like, you know, we, we've seen that he's not afraid to pick, you know, put up a fight against the Senate on, you know, property tax issues. So we'll see if uh, there could be similar fights over social conservative issues like these one. Um, Republican lawmakers that- have uh, majority support for some of these bills. So, you know, if they do get to a floor vote, they will probably pass. Um, so we'll see if, you know, the House LGBTQ caucus, which is now has the most number of lawmakers at nine, uh, we'll see how they will be able to maneuver um, in committees or on the floor to push back against these bills. Um, so, like, it's still a bit of, like, uncertain territory, I think, at this point. Um, in the and the, polit- the political dynamic for Phelan is so different from 2019 when he made that comment. You know, at the time, he was state affairs chair. Now he's speaker. Um, and, you know, unlike the lieutenant governor who's elected by everybody in the state, the speaker is elected by the members of the House. Um, so if if uh, you're the speaker and you want uh, to, to hold that position for another session, you have to be very careful about um, you know, blocking uh, bills that a majority of members want. Um, so even if, you know, that's something that Phelan still feels four years after he said that, um, you know, it, he he does have to be mindful of the majority of the chamber. 
Yeah, right. I mean, I think the enduring mystery is what does feel in want, right? Not just around this, but around a lot of topics. I mean, he certainly has things, priorities that he has set. You know, he has, he has listed out his list of priorities. You know, they are less kind of combustible in terms of the politics than, than what uh, Dan Patrick has said he has wanted. You know, we're talking about expanding uh, Medicaid for... Uh, for uh, new parents uh, after uh, as up to 12 months, you know, we're talking about certain division uh, provisions, you know, related to protecting the privacy of children and other people online, um, things that, uh, you know, have a lot of support in the, um, in the house. Um, and, you know, as I continue to watch this, I just continue to wonder what is he trying to set up for what kind of negotiations uh are he is he is he gearing up for and what does he want to fight for and what does he not want to fight for um and i guess the answer is we don't we don't fully know um no we we really don't know because they he the the house and the senate and particularly Phelan and patrick are so far apart on you know what you call some of these bread and butter issues and Phelan knows that you know, some of these LGBTQ bills are priorities for Patrick. And um, I mean, this can be like really hard for LGBTQ people to hear uh, because so many of these bills, you know, could affect their lives in so many just dramatic ways. But sometimes the way the legislature works is once you get to the end of the session, um, it kind of becomes, I think sometimes through the eyes of lawmakers, the bills are more seen less as like particular policies and more like chips to kind of like trade and like to, so they'll be, they often will hold bills toward the end to use as leverage to get like other bills passed. Um, so what those are, whether it's the uh, LGBTQ bills or, or other bills, like it's just not clear yet. I think that'll kind of become more clear in May. And, and one of the things that um, I think we've talked about on this show before is that bills in the legislature rarely fail because they get voted down. You know, they fail because someone puts the brakes on them and they don't make it through. Right. A committee chair never brings it up for a committee hearing. Um, uh, Alex, you mentioned the calendars committee earlier. The way the House works is that there is a committee of lawmakers that sets the calendar on, on what they vote on each each day in the full House. And if it doesn't get on the calendar, then it's not going to pass, even if it does have the support of the full chambers. And, you know, we are now reaching the point, you know, we're not hit there yet, but we're getting closer where those deadlines are really going to start to matter. You know, the first kind of major deadline in the House is May 8th, and that's the deadline for House bills to get voted out of House committees. And once you kind of hit that deadline, you see a bunch of others, deadlines for House bills to get voted out, to be put on the calendar, deadline for Senate bills to be put on the calendar, all those different things. And, you know, we, over the course of a legislative session, get upwards of, you know, close to 10,000 bills and there's not enough time, particularly at the pace that the house is moving. You know, Dan Patrick painted, pointed this out in an interview this week that the the house, um, when he said it, which was a few days ago, had only passed 83 bills so far this session. And there's not going to be time for all of them. And 
when that happens, it does matter how much of a priority it is of the leadership, because even, there are going to be some bills that I think Dade Phelan is perfectly happy to get, would be perfectly happy to pass through that aren't going to make it because of those priorities. And the question is, are these going to be any of those bills? I mean, Brandon, what do you think about this? I mean, the state of the Republican Party right now in Texas and nationally is a lot of interest on these measures. I mean, do you think I'm off base in saying that um, maybe all these bills don't make it through, but Thielen would face some pretty big heat from his uh, you know, uh, the people who voted him into that office, if none of these measures made through and that there's a very strong political incentive to be able to say that we did something along these issues this year? Oh, oh, definitely. I think so. Um, I mean, political experts that Alex and Will talked to last week, you know, said that with um, within the GOP, like these are, um, you know, really, really popular measures. And uh, that there's really no way to there's there's no harm to Republicans for passing uh, bills that kind of restrict LGBTQ people's lives. Um, that um, for a lot of voters, um, transgenderism, gender identity are such new concepts that um, they they want uh, the government to be pumping brakes on things and and limiting things. Um, so you know when you look at the House and you know they have to go home and, and answer to their constituents, many of whom, um, you know, may really, really want some of these bills to get through, that kind of pressure translates on up to feeling. Yep. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's kind of a, it, it's a trick, uh, well, not a trick, but it, I mean, if, if he wants to block things, you know, there are ways to do it, but you have to kind of tread carefully. And that is like where you, where when you bring bills up to the floor and like how close to the deadline and, and how far down the list on the last day um, to where it's like, oh, well, we did move on it. We passed it out of committee and we did put it on the floor, but we just ran out of time. You know, yep. um, whether that'll happen on these bills is, I mean, kind of what a lot of people are waiting to see. Yeah. And I think like from what I've se we've seen this session, you know, the right flank of the party, like the right to Freeland is already pretty mad at him for, you know, not doing the banning Democrat chairs earlier this session, which is a legislative priority for the party. Um, so. Yeah, you know, and one thing I would say about the House so far this session is it seems pretty unified. You know, uh, the grumbling seems to be coming from Dan Patrick. Uh, it is not uncommon for Dan Patrick to be in a fight with the House Speaker at this time. It has happened with multiple House Speakers. Um, but Phelan does seem to kind of have the troops in line in the House, you know, uh, not least because one of his kind of biggest, you know, uh, rabble rousers is is facing his own kind of scandal right now and has sort of be taken on a lower profile thing. But like, I mean, I would say dissent in the House right now is is at a minimum. And I think one of the other things that will be interesting to watch, Alex, is does that continue? If we see that these bills continue to not move, um, and again, there is still plenty of time for them to move, almost no Senate bills are moving at this point right now in the House. Will we start to see any of that kind of dissent? Will we hear from people who are frustrated and things like that? And I think that'll be another interesting and important thing to watch. That's who Phelan has to keep happy here more than anyone else. 
Um, Alex, you've been to um, a lot of committee hearings where these bills have been held, including, um, you know, ones that, you know, thousands of people have shown up to and in, in just like overwhelming opposition. Um, you were at a um, LGBTQ rally at the Capitol last weekend, um, you know, people pushing back against um, these bills. You know, as these politics kind of play out and as, as a lot of, um, you know, political insiders um, look at it, you know, through the lens of, of, you know, how conservative is the House now, you know, will, you know, Phelan, um, you know, put his finger on the scales on these bills. What are you hearing from LGBTQ Texans? Like what, what, as they watch this play out, kind of how are they feeling? What are they thinking? Yeah, so I mean, I mean, for LGBTQ Texans, like these policies are about their lives, right? Like it's not lawmaker and lobbyists pushing chess pieces around. So obviously there's a lot of fear and anger and frustrations with uh, sessions after sessions. The There's just been a growing focus on um, policy and legislation that would restrict their life and how they want to be represented and their, you know, their existence in public life. Um, so there's a lot of anger and frustration. When I talk to trans family, there's a lot of concern about whether they need to leave the state so that they can their kids can continue accessing the care that they need. Um, and obviously like people are continuing to hold rallies um, in the Capitol, uh, continue to engage the lawmakers. I think like at this point, they have to keep fighting um, because like these issues are so important to so many people. Um, and obviously it's, it sounds, it's very bleak for a lot of people, but it's something that they just have to keep fighting and, and see through to the end of the session. And who knows if there will be more special sessions and how many of them this uh this year so good luck with that um but obviously like it's just a constant fight um that they are fighting every every sessions and this one is no different but obviously it's definitely a lot more that they are fighting over a hundred of these bills as opposed to I don't know, it was like 75 or 77 in the three sessions in 2021. Um, and obviously it's not just in Texas, but also around the country. So there's definitely a feeling that, you know, there's um, a lot of just all-encompassing fear, I guess, is uh, how it is happening. All right. Well, this is definitely something that we will continue to be keeping an eye on and watching too. Thank you, Alex. And thank you, Brandon, for helping walk us through this. Um, and thank you to Justin, our producer. And also thank you to our sponsors, the Meadows Mental Health Policy Institute, Texas State Technical College, Texas Biomed, and UT Arlington. We'll talk to you all next week. Subscribe to The Blast today, the Texas Tribune's premium newsletter, and get the inside scoop on Texas politics delivered right to your inbox five days a week. Learn more at texastribune.org slash theblast.